Hello and welcome, Queerdos. Marshall here. Hi, it's Elia. And we're so excited to be bringing you our second official episode. And we have a wonderful guest and some really great stories to share. So without further ado, Elia, would you like to introduce our guest? Yes, and I would just say welcome again to Wonder Queer. And as Marsha said, we're so happy you're here. Uh, our wonderful first guest is Tracy Tidgewell. And Tracy is a fat, queer, multidisciplinary artist and activist. She lives in Toronto, Ontario, but her heart belongs in her childhood home of Nova Scotia. Hi, Tracy. Hi. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So should I just take it away? Just take it away. Absolutely. All right. I have two stories, both of which I call kind of like queer teleology. And I made this up. It's a kind of queer sense, a psychic sense of time and space that really understands things in terms of their purpose and their meaning, why they happen, not really how they happen or what causes them to happen. So I think that my stories are about kind of a queer lesbian love connection through the telephone. So telly at a distance and teleology as a kind of philosophical approach to queer time. So I have two stories that both are connected to the telephone. The first one happened in the mid nineties. My first love, my first soul opening lesbian girlfriend, Moira, we went to school, uh, we met at school. We both went to a small university in a tiny rural town in Nova Scotia. Um, but school was done and she went home to her family in St. John, New Brunswick. And I went home to mine in Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. And needless to say, we were in our first lesbian love, a desperate long distance love affair. Um, so we would keep in touch by telephone. Um, no one, we didn't have computers, so there was no regular emailing, although we did both have email addresses at the time, but we really used the telephone to keep in touch. So um, cut to another day, another time um, in the near future when I was visiting my grandparents in Halifax, spending some time with them at their home. I love them so much and I love being at their house and it was like a second home to me. And their phone rang and of course they, it was their home phone. They had one of those black rotary telephones that you would put your finger in and dial around in a circle. And it had, if you remember, that really loud metallic ring that could kind of like cut through your brain. <laughs> so the telephone rang and I was near it. So I picked it up, hello. And it was a telemarketer on the line asking for Mr. or Mrs. Tidwell for some kind of fundraiser or sales, I can't remember. And I had a really funny feeling about that voice on the other end. And all of a sudden I realized it's Moira, it's her. She's calling my grandparents and I answer the phone. Moy, it's me, I say. There was a pause. Moy, it's me. And finally it clicked for her. She was all like, what? Trace, wow, what? Holy moly, like what's going on? And we were both stunned and amazed. 
She had been auto-connected to my grandparents' phone number. She wouldn't know who she was calling until she was ringing through, and then her work computer would prompt her to tell her who to ask for. She was making calls all around the eastern part of Canada and randomly connected to my grandparents and actually to me. We were auto-connected. We were connected and it felt electric. <laughs> we stayed on the phone briefly, me awkward and elated. I was closeted at the time and talking to this fiery first love and lover of mine over the telephone, standing near my grandparents in their kitchen, them a few feet away, wondering who the hell is on the telephone. She was at work in a shared office space for telemarketers and fundraisers. I passed the phone to my grandfather, who, as always, listened to her pitch and politely declined. Um, I was so shook with this connection and what we shared and elated that we could be connected at a distance like that. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, the second story of queer lesbian teleology happened about 10 years later when I lived in Peterborough, a small city northeast of Toronto. I lived there really briefly while I went to school and I moved there with Jamie, my girlfriend, my partner and my true love. So I was going to school and Jamie was working doing tech support for Apple. Getting jobs there was next impossible and there was a big outsource for Apple tech support there and all around the world actually. Um, there are call centers all over Canada and the U.S. with literally thousands and thousands of employees. So you call in for tech support and you get someone somewhere in North America. So Jamie was at work, I was at home studying, and I missed my girl, so I wanted to call her. But she didn't have a cell phone. I had my first cell phone, the kind that the, the keyboard slid out from the side and then you would use your thumbs to type. <laughs> She didn't have a cell phone, she was at work. I decided I would call her. I mean, I decided I would call the 1-800 Apple customer support line and get her. I just decided that was gonna happen. I was gonna rub my gay good luck charm and roll the dice. So I got really grounded and really intent on reaching her and I picked up our home phone and I called. A stranger's voice on the other line. She didn't answer. So I hung up and I called again. And ta-da, there we were, connected. <laughs> she answered. <laughs> she was so surprised to hear my voice, and I was maybe a little bit surprised to hear hers. She soon became uneasy with the whole scenario. All her calls were timed. They were audio recorded and monitored. Um, she knew I didn't have a legitimate tech support concern. She didn't really know how to deal with what was going on. I was giddy with purpose, laughing and trying hard to talk about my computer issue. <laughs> we stayed on the call very briefly and hung up. It was incredible. It felt like queer wonder for sure. This kind of queer lesbian teleology. So that's, those are my stories. <laughs> what magic, what beautiful magic. Well, I'd love it if we could ask you some questions and um, kind of talk about this. I mean, I'm wondering if you have a certain telephone medicine 
magic that you you have found in other ways or um, if you feel that this might be some type of of manifesting that that you're really good at that involves <laughs> tech or that involves the telephone whether mm-hmm. or not you have a real computer issue you know <laughs> for Apple to solve <laughs> That's a good question. I hadn't thought about it, but I think the telephone is a kind of magical connection. It it really is a way and has been a way for a long time now that we can be in touch with one another. And, you know, as I said, both of these calls were at the brink of or before cell phones. So it wasn't, we weren't in text land. We weren't in, um, we were still calling each other. We were still using our cell phones to call each other. Um, in the later story, I, I think the telephone is a way for us to hear each other's, well, was a way for us to hear each other's voices, to really stay in touch with um, each other in an embodied way. So while I do think maybe there was something magical about that kind of intensity of queer love in those moments that I do think helped connect me to my lovers at the time, I really believe in the telephone is something that's accessible to anyone who, who has access to it. Yeah, and it, to me it feels like it feels like this kind of current of connection. Mm-hmm. You've said a little bit with your coining of your new uh, word, which is a, <laughs> an amazing word. Um, how do you how how do you experience that that energetic kind of underground connection? In other ways, how have you experienced it or how, what is your relationship to it? Huh. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. No, no, let's talk about it. Yeah, of course. It's sort of like, you know, um, the telephone cord itself, like back when, back when the, the, like the phone that you were describing in the first story and Mm -hmm. the landline with the super long um cord that would get tangled up yeah and there was that like that springy part of the cord too that like round springy part of the Uh cord absolutely (laughs) and I remember times being on on my uh, in my childhood home being on the landline and still having interference to all of a sudden hearing other people's conversations which you don't think is really possible um, and also, you know, people talk about cord cutting. So mm-hmm. I have felt like an underground wire connection with people that when it wasn't, it wasn't a good magic thing <laughs> where I'm like, we gotta, we gotta sever this cord. So it's interesting to have this positive kind of current, like you said, Elia to another person who's a love, you know, for you. Yeah, and Marshall, the way you talked about that interference, like it made me think about the way that we are connected in layers, even with folks who we aren't in love with, who who we like live near or who may be on some kind of same wavelength as us literally or figuratively, right? Where where there will be interference or there will be these layers of um, connection or conversation that happen through the wavelength. <laughs> yeah, I have that because I've had that many times and often I'll be like, 
I'll, I'll, I'll just think of someone and, and I'll just like very intentionally think of someone and then I'll be like, and I'll be like, oh, and here they are in, in my text thread Yes. or they've texted me. And so even though it's not a phone, it's like, I think it's perhaps tapping into that same, that same, those, those layers of connection that you, that you've talked about and that, and the cord is not tangled somehow. The cord is, you know, untangled and it's, and then there's this, you know, little electric charge. Mm -hmm. COVID, this pandemic quarantine lifestyle has changed many of our relationships with technology because I think a lot of folks are pretty zoomed out everything's online and like you were saying Tracy the the voice to voice connection over a call is sort of different than looking at someone on a screen because even though I can see you there you don't necessarily seem like a real person you know whereas when you're on the phone that sensory connection just through auditory I think feels embodied I think is the word that you used. Isn't it feeling more and more like that though the more we're inside this COVID that a telephone call feels more welcome? It is for me feeling more welcome than this Zoom reality even though there's this novelty to the Zoom of like oh I can see you there you are you're so familiar if I know you you know you, you look so I know your body movement this is so familiar but there is something more relaxing something more I don't know, sense like sensory through this audio connection that happens. I, I don't know, that I feel more welcome to at this moment. For me, it taps into the ways that we know each other and what is always unknowable, a phone call, uh, on a different, in a different way, in a di- on a different level. There's, it just feels very nuanced and somehow it brings that that sort of unknowable part into the room a little bit more or into me a little bit more, maybe because it is embodied. Mm. And another thing about the unknowable on Zoom, it may be unknowable whether or not someone's wearing pants, but on a phone call, (laughs) you have no idea. Could be completely emperor's outfit, who knows? And you don't want, and it's you unknowable. don't need to know. It's unknowable. You don't need to know. Well, are they naked? <laughs> you don't need to know. But if they get on the Zoom, you you're gonna know. You know you're what I gonna mean? No, for sure. <laughs> you're gonna know for sure. <laughs> and when you when you tell those stories, and you hear yourself telling them, do you what what is evoked in you? It's really a sense, I was thinking about them this morning, knowing I was going to be talking to you today, and it's incredible. It's amazing to me, and it's not a shock, and I'm not um, I'm not in disbelief, because this feels like, yeah, this was meant to be. There's some meaning here, um, but it is this sense of wonder, actually, this kind of awe of how incredible it is that this could happen, that um, technology allowed for some kind of psychic connection through its means, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that would not be the conventional, that would not be the conventional form for psychic connection. 
I mean, the first story really was unintentional. It was by chance, but it wasn't by chance, you know, like it was, it was random, but it wasn't, I don't know what it was, but I, I didn't intend it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. The second one, I was like, I'm going to make this happen right now. I wonder how much the second one was influenced knowing that you could make it happen by the first story, the happening that had happened before. I, yes, Marshall, I think there's something there. Even though I wasn't consciously thinking about it, I think there was something there for sure. Like, well, this yeah. can happen because it's happened. Yes, yes. And I mean, the stakes are low. I just, well, you know, a stranger answers and I'm like, okay, well, I'll hang up. <laughs> You know, it's a call center. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, the, uh, your, the your unconscious confidence rose to the surface. <laughs> I can get Jamie on the phone. No problem uh, with thousands and thousands of workers. Oh, no. I will find my girl. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> For me, it, it makes me think I grew up in a very small town where... Um, there were basically no queer people. And so my first experiences talking to other queer people was through chat rooms online. And so I think Mm -hmm. because of that, like early conditioning for tech to be a part of connection, and in this way, even the phone being considered tech, there was like an extra hotness to it because if I was chatting with someone and and then we got to the point that I could call them, that was like a whole other level. Like, oh, Next okay, level. getting somewhere yeah. now. This is an experience, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. upping the ante next stage next level (laughs) oh yeah well and I think back to my relationship with Moira you know when we were at school that was one thing but when we went home to our hometowns we only had the telephone and we would you know do clandestine hours long phone calls in the night to just stay connected to one another Uh and neither of us were out we were out inside our friend communities but we weren't out with our families so it really was this kind of secretive technology in which to connect but at the time you know you had a you had one home phone for the family a landline so you would how find did you, you would find how did ways. you get the phone how did you get the phone where did you <laughs> did you was it your was the phone near your bedroom or? I did at that time finally have a phone in my bedroom yeah I had one of those clear telephones I wish I still had it with all of the electric colored wires and colorful gadgets inside that you would hand hold, you know, like a long banana style. Not a banana, not a banana foam, but that kind of long, narrow Oh yeah. thing with the clear plastic. Loved those. And you could see the the inner workings. That that was a hot yes. phone. That was a very that hot phone. That was a phone. hot phone. I regret getting rid of that. I regret I had getting one of rid those. of it. Oh, you did? Mhm. Oh, and God. I think I had it. It was like a kit that I could build. I built the phone. What? You know, they said it's like a science kit where they send it to you and you have the instructions on how to build it. That's incredible. But it's true. I really like this whole idea of the of the phone as like the as a as a hot kind of, you know, clandestine, you know, sort of secretive next level 
<laughs> piece of technology that, you know, with the with what the kind of subtext that we're talking about, the energetic um, connecting. It's a really it's a, it is a really layered layered um, piece of tech and the way that and a piece of potential magic as you've completely illustrated to us in all the ways. <laughs> now, did you ever get nervous that someone might be someone might have picked up the other phone listening in? I so much. I mean, do you remember just having ears so precisely attuned to any kind of change in what was on the line like a click or a or another more air or I don't know I felt like I could I knew it like I which hopefully I did (laughs) 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 because if people were listening I mean that would have been whoa (laughs) well that you might have even felt even if you didn't hear something you might have felt the energetic change too like Wait, something so attuned. Here. I, yes, absolutely. So so attuned to what any kind of difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very important skill to develop. Just <laughs> that, and and it's an interesting because it's a it's a it's a very much a to me it really feels like a, a an extra queer development because if you're having those kind of conversations and you're out not out and you're in your family home, I mean you have to be vigilantly developing that skill of hearing just a slight hair move to put your signal up to oh there's a change Uh close it down somehow Mm -hmm. yeah I think so I, I agree maybe that's why I was really good at um that's why I was really good at being hearing everything in my classrooms. <laughs> it was like your queer sensibility. Yeah. And your kid, sen- queer sensitivity. Yeah. And kids would be like, and kids would be, uh, how did you hear me say that? Because <laughs> I would be at the front of the class and, and I would be like, okay, I heard that. Never mind. That's not what's going to happen in here or whatever I would say. And Kids would just be so pissed, so pissed at me <laughs> and so just annoyed at my ability to hear what they were saying. <laughs> so this is perhaps the very root of it. Next time I will explain myself about my abilities. <laughs> well, it's kind of like how parents say, oh, I'm always watching. I have eyes in the back of my head for for queers, maybe the the hearing is the the sense mm-hmm. that you're talking about the super attuned. I want to say queering, but it doesn't. To put ear in queer doesn't change the word. So queer hearing. I guess it. I guess I'm not going to come up with a cool term. <laughs> today, no, it, Tracy, it does like make sense. Did. It makes sense, Marshall. I think it's good. Q U E A R. I-N-G. Ah. Queer. Or it could be like, what? Ear function. Queer function. Q-U-E-A-R. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're just so grateful that you were able to join us and that you're sharing your enthusiasm for queer wonderment on our show today. 
Yes. Thank you so much, Tracy. You guys, it's been an honor. I love your podcast. I love your first episode. I'm wondering if before we go, can I make a song request? Absolutely. Okay, my request is Bless the Telephone by Labby Seafree. He's a London, UK-based singer-songwriter. He's a gay man, and this song is from 1971. Strange how a phone call can change your day Take you away, away From the feeling of being alone Bless the telephone Thank you so much for being with us. It was wonderful. It was great to skip along your beautiful story. And thanks to all our listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to like and subscribe or leave a review for us. And you can send in your own story on wonderqueer.com. And until next time, keep swimming in the wonder. Keep cheering the queer. Bye. Bye.